Support for Elbows Tight is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. That's a lot of balls, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) When Manscaped reached out to work with us, I instantly thought, yes, what a deal. I've been using Manscaped products for a while now. And when they mentioned helping out with the podcast, I, I thought it was a no-brainer. I have the Lawnmower 4.0 now, but I had the Lawnmower 3.0 and absolutely loved it. Also, most people think about Manscaped as tr- just trimmers, but really they have ball deodorant, ball toner, the weed whacker, which is your favorite thing, right, John? Yeah, I love the weed whacker. Look, I'm about to hit like 45 years old, so I got hair growing out of everywhere now. So it's coming out my ears. I'm like, man, where is that weed whacker? It's definitely my favorite. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code ETP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools to get the job done with Manscaped. What's up, everyone? John Trass here with another amazing episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. John, how was that? Uh, you know, I feel like I say it every time, but it was a good one. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a lot. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and listen to this one a couple times just because there was so much good information in it. We have Zach Miller on today. He is a jiu-jitsu black belt down in Arizona, and he is a wealth of knowledge. His, his input on... Our topics today are just fantastic. He also works with the We Defy Foundation, is a Marine Corps reservist, uh, has a full-time job, like just wears a lot of hats, and he travels around as a BJJ Globetrotters instructor also. I say in the episode that he just came back from Austria. It wasn't Austria. I don't know. We were talking about Austria in uh, on Instagram together, so I thought for some reason I said Austria, but he came back from the Caribbean islands was his latest uh travel endeavor with the globe trotters and it's it's if you follow him on Instagram, you got to see some pretty cool stuff the the globe trotters looks like a pretty cool uh organization to to work with, and we talk a lot about that, talk a lot about we defy and what they do and a lot of input on how to learn better kind of especially during your roles right john yeah i think uh more like a targeted way to ask maybe on, yeah. on what you need to work on yeah i would say that is my biggest takeaway is stop asking what do i need to work on you know what i mean when you're asking your instructor what do i need to work on don't say that and you'll see what he says and to me it was bing, light bulb agreed like, agreed game changer <laughs> so be sure you guys follow Zach. All of his information is going to be down in the description below. Check out wedefy.org for uh, the organization that we talk about on there for helping veterans, combat veterans, get into jujitsu. A great organization. They have geese, shirts, all kinds of apparel and whatnot. And all of your purchases uh, go directly towards the organization to help veterans. We are not sponsored by them, uh, but it is a, a great organization for people to go and check out. So. Um, but yeah, everything for Zach is going to be down below. Make sure you guys give a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we're 
we're growing at a great pace right now because of everyone at home. So thank you guys so much for all the support. And John, you got anything else? Nope. Give it a listen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Let us know what you guys think. Hit us up on Instagram. Tell us what you guys think about this episode. So we appreciate it, guys. We'll check you later. Peace. All right, and here we are. John, how you doing today? I'm good, man. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. That was really awkward of a start. I'm not going to lie. I got to think of something better to do because that was not a good... No, no, it was fun. It was good. It was, it was good. It was good. I was like thinking of like how other podcasts start, and they're like, oh, and we're live, or it's like, and he, we're rolling. I was like, but nah, I don't, I don't really know. Well, welcome, guys, to another episode of Elvis Type Podcast. I'll just say that. <laughs> So today's guest, we have a very uh, special guest. We have Zach. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. It is a beautiful Sunday, and uh, we get to enjoy each other's company. Anytime John and I get together, it's always great. You know, it's like fantastic. It's like my best friend. So do it's I sound true. convincing? It's true. Yeah, I mean, I was convinced. <laughs> you know. I'm glad I brought you an energy drink for this. This will be good. <laughs> no, I'm doing good, man. My babies do any day now. My my daughters do any day. So if my wife goes into labor in the background, we'll finish the interview and then I'll go take care of that. So don't worry about that. Priorities. <laughs> 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 so, but hey, let's go ahead and jump into your beverage of the day. Zach, what you got for your beverage of the day? I've got two. I, I came prepared. I didn't know which I wanted. So. I've got some, it, it's not Black Rifle coffee, it's just some generic Costco stuff, but uh, normally I drink my coffee black, but Chobani, which is like my favorite yogurt company, it's got this creamer, and it's like an Irish cream that I got for this week, it, it's spectacular, so I can't not start the morning <laughs> with that, and then I've got this uh, Fighter's Choice uh, Recovery pr- Powder, I promise this is not a plug or anything, they don't pay me, all right? <laughs> I just really, really, really enjoy it. Like it, it's the best one I've had. It's got like seven grams of BCAAs, and it, it's really tasty. So, uh, I you, you can find me drinking on these throughout the episode. So, does it? Do you actually feel like it helps you recover the the recovery drink? <clears throat> oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, like I I hired a nutritionist about uh, maybe maybe four months ago now, maybe going on five months ago. And I, there was a lot of things that I was doing, like just trying to get in better shape. Like I was just like constantly working out, working out, working out. But like my PFT scores in the Marine Corps were just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I just, I didn't understand why. So I hired a nutritionist um, who also is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and, um, mm, always nice. We, we had, yeah, yeah. We, we, we had a good like, like from the get-go understanding of, like he knew exactly what I wanted and I trusted him as well. So, um, he actually got me to start working out less. Right. And, uh, there was a bunch of, I, I was taking every supplement under, under the sun and there was a bunch of, he's like, ah, like, let's take that out. Let's take that out. Let's take that out. Uh, the recovery powder stuff like BCAAs were, were a big one. And, um, I do definitely feel a difference. I'm not going to say like I feel a difference like I have like a heavy leg day or something I drink and I'm like, oh, I'm good to go now. But I, I definitely <laughs> feel it um, on days like when I travel, right? Uh, when I do a lot of jujitsu uh, and I'm out of the country, like I don't have any supplements. Like I don't I don't bring anything with me, right? Um, I can definitely feel how much longer it takes me to recover um, ba- uh, based on not having those than when I'm home and I can have that stuff 
repeatedly throughout the day. Now, I mean, I understand food goes into that as well. You know, I don't always eat as good when, when, I'm, when I'm out of state or out of country, right? Um, but but I, do, I do really feel a good difference. Especially, like, right before bed, I, I feel like I sleep a lot better. Uh, and, uh, like, kind of right when I wake up, I, I, I kind of like to have that a little more than coffee in the morning time. But uh, last night I was out pretty late, so I need both today. <laughs> you know, now I find I just mix everything into my coffee. I, I don't even care what it ah, tastes like yeah. anymore. That way I get the coffee and everything in it. That's what I do in the morning. I'm like, whatever. Move. It has a consistency yeah. of like a... A hot chocolate and some vitamins, but whatever. <laughs> You're like BCAAs, protein, yeah, fish just oil. A of, <laughs> I just, you know. just a coffee malt. <laughs> yeah, right. So, hey, Zach, well, that, that's your beverage of the day. Um, let's go ahead and jump into who you are and your jujitsu journey and, and your background and everything like that. So, my name is Zach Miller. Um, I've been doing jujitsu for about, let's see, I think about 13 years now. Yeah, I started in 2009. Um, started relatively young at 17. Um, uh, I got my black belt at 27. I think that was in 20, 2019. Yeah. Um, I am currently, uh, I train and teach out of Impact Jiu-Jitsu in Fountain Hills uh, with Michael Courier. And um, I am under Michael Chapman, so I'm part of the Impact Jiu-Jitsu organization, which is nice. I just recently switched to that team, so... Uh, I've been training with them for about a year now, uh, and uh, everything's like really, really working out. Uh, in addition, um, I'm also in the Marine Corps Reserve. Uh, I've always been a reservist, so I've been doing that for about nine years. Um, I am a staff sergeant, and then uh, also I work really, really heavily with We Defy Foundation. I am one of their training facility coordinators, so I kind of do a lot. Oh, and I'm a BJJ Globetrotter instructor as well, so kind of multifaceted all over the place but that's a little bit just about what i do man that's a, that's quite a, a a resume though there's a lot of hats that that you wear you know so yeah. I, it's 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 pretty impressive i'm thinking i'm like so which is the jiu-jitsu has got to be the full-time job at this point no no so that, actually my no. full-time job is i'm actually a manager uh, i'm a delivery manager at uh one of the biggest furniture retailers out here it's wow. so funny, Man. like every, everybody always I'm like, sees like my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, like everybody sees my Instagram and stuff, and they're like, "Oh man, it's so cool that you get to live your best life doing all that." But like, I don't post about like my civilian, like, job. <laughs> right, like right. you know what I mean, like because that's just like work to me. It's not like a passion to me, you know. My Instagram yeah. is for like passion. So people are like, "Wait a second, you have a job where you're working 50 hours a week as well on top of it?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, I, I know." <laughs> Now, no now I understand the recovery drink even more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's funny because we we see, and it's a prime example. We always see like these people on Instagram, and it, I would have never have known that your job wasn't jujitsu, right? Because you, like you said, right. it's always it's about your passion. And so, literally, we just had this conversation beforehand. We're like, it's, I was like, he travels for like BJJ Globetrotters. He was just in Austria, and he's like, is that his full time job? I was like. I, I mean, I would assume so. That's all. I mean, that's like it looks like it's his full time yeah. job. Like, so what was it? So, how hard is it to take time off work to like travel for for globe trotters? And how much of it in advance do you know? So, I would say like under normal conditions, it'd probably be pretty difficult. Um, but 
back when I first started with this company, I've been with them for six years now, right? And 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 just to be clear, like I don't have any animosity towards my job. They're very flexible with me. They give me a lot of help. Like my boss is very great about letting me take time off. Um, but it's obviously a job, you know. It's not something I'm going to stay in forever. But when I first started with that company, um, I never took time off. Like I I would just like I, I think I maybe called out one time in the whole year because I got sick, right? Um, I also, I don't have children, right? So I'm, I'm, I see a lot of my employees who have to call off because of their kids and stuff like that, which is understandable, but I I never had to have that compound the issue or anything. And then, um, also when, uh, COVID came, I was the only manager in the whole building that did not get COVID, right? So I didn't have to burn up two weeks, three weeks of time because I was exposed to someone, because uh, I got sick or anything like that. So all of my PTO just kept uh, uh, racking up, right? Um, So in addition to having like good attendance as well, right? um, I never, I, I was able to collect like almost like six weeks worth of time, right? And I'm also kind of a like everybody at work calls me like a, a PTO Nazi, right? Like if I don't have to take time off, I will not. Like like I will do whatever I can to switch yeah. things around, move things around because I am happiest when I am at those Globetrotters camps, right? So I would rather be taking, you know, sacrifice while I'm at home and, and take a week off and really like go explore a new place and uh, not have to worry about it. Um, so for, for me, it can be kind of difficult, right? Like if I was to stay on track to what I'm doing, I mean, cause that six weeks has now turned into four and then it's going to turn into three after the summer, you know, um, it, it would be far more difficult. What it has done though, um, especially like when I was in uh, St. Bartholomew, uh, uh, at the beginning of the year, I really, I really realized like I've got to move into a space where I can just do this whenever I want. Maybe not travel full-time, right? But just whenever I want, not have to be on anybody's schedule or anything like that. So that's kind of how I use my my uh, uh, full-time job right now. Um, they pay me really well. I use it to save money to try to start a side bit of business that will one day get me some passive income enough to then when I can open a school, right? Because I want to open my own jiu-jitsu academy. Um, but I don't want to be financially dependent on the jiu-jitsu academy. You know, we can talk a little bit about like why and my plans for that later. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's been kind of hard for everybody else. Like I get some haters at work, you know, they're like, ah, oh, I, you know, if only you had gotten sick, if only had been, and I'm just like, Hey man, like I'm just, I, I was being safe living, you know, I, a lot of it was luck, you know? Um, but, uh, it, it can, I, I think, I think the, the real question though, uh, is, Sometimes it causes a problem because I have to take a lot of time off for drill and stuff and annual training in the Marine Corps. So with vacation, you know, people will see, oh, Zach's just having a good time. He's out on vacation, right? But they don't get to see what I'm doing when I'm at drill. So naturally, they just kind of think that I'm on vacation as well, right? Right. So there's been animosity in the past, right? Especially with like friends of mine who are my partners, where they're like, oh, you know, must be nice getting to take time off work all the time and not being here. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not fucking working, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, I'm, not, like... I'm, I'm, I'm not on on vacation. I'm fucking working, you know. 
I had to explain like, hey, you know those two days that you don't see me? I'm not chilling. Like I'm working 12 days straight with no day off, like getting up at 3 a.m., getting home at 9 p.m. Like, dude, it's not fun to me. <laughs> you know, so right. uh, that that's caused problems. But all it is is just kind of a an explanation and just trying to talk to the right people. But as far as my, my like leadership goes at work, they've been very, very helpful. Um, and they, and they know, they know that like, um, I have future like endeavors that are not going to keep me with them. Like I've always been open and honest with them. I've, I've declined moving up in the company because of that. So they, they know that my passion is like, what's gonna, I don't want to say come first. I wouldn't just quit my job. Right. But they know that, that's my goal and I do a really really good job at work so that I can do that so I, I guess it's kind of a give or take how did you get into Globetrotters did you have to apply to be an instructor or something like that so originally so originally I had it's it's really funny man like I started jiu-jitsu at 17 right and when I was about 19 maybe 20 um I I had my blue like my blue belt and we had like this in-house tournament from like some other affiliations that had come around and someone someone had like brought like patches and like some other like stickers and stuff for like people who like if they win matches right and someone had given me a BJJ Globetrotters patch right and I had never heard of it um this was this had to have been back in like 2012 maybe 2013 no maybe 2013 yeah and i was like what is this and you know they were like oh there's this guy christian graugart he uh he traveled the world and um he started this team called the bjj globetrotters and they're all about uh you know cult free jujitsu no no politics and stuff you know and it was so funny because like back then i was just like oh man like that that's so cool like I, I think that's how jiu-jitsu should be, right? Little did I know I was going to go through a lot of that shit, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> I, did, I, didn't, I didn't like read his book or anything. But I read uh, on his website, the, there's like 10 fundamental rules for the, for the affiliation. And I always kept those like really, really close to my heart. And I always said that like if I owned an academy, like this is how I would try to... Uh, uh, run things right I put the patch on a gi and then like you know I always said you know I was young broke like just just a Marine Corps Reservist college dropout right so I couldn't afford to go to like these camps and stuff that I would see in all these exotic places and I was always just like man like one day I'm gonna save the money and I'm gonna go to St. Bart's like I wanted to do the Caribbean one really bad well <clears throat> I got really lucky in um 2019 they they did one at Jay Page's gym, uh, which is in Arizona, uh, about f- uh, 45 minutes from my house. So I was like super stoked. Um, I had just gotten my black belt. Um, I paid for the camp, went there as a participant, had a really good time, met a bunch of great people. And uh, like everything I had imagined uh, it was going to be like it exactly was like everything on that when I would look at that patch and I, and I would think of like, these are the 10 things I'm going to follow. I, I felt those in the room with every single individual in that room. Right. So, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't wait for like the next one. Uh, and then the next one was going to be, I think it was supposed to be in March or no, no, November of 2020. 
then it got canceled because of COVID, and they kept, uh, no, it was supposed to be March, then it got moved to November, then November got canceled, then it was March of 2021, right? I did the second camp as a participant, and then that's when I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I'm, I'm super happy doing this, now it's time to, like, explore beyond that. Um, so I had told, I had told, uh, Christian like, Hey, like I want to be an instructor. Um, and the next camp that I was like able to go to was Iceland. Right. And he had just said, Hey, like Iceland's going to be the first camp that is open where everyone can go. And you're literally trying to compete for an instructor spot against like 40 people from all over the world who want to go do it. So it's, it's highly unlikely. Right. I just said, fuck it. I'll go there anyways. Right. So I bought, I bought the ticket. I went to Iceland as a participant and, um, made like really, really, really good connections. And then, uh, that's when I was told like, Hey, uh, why don't you be an instructor for the November camp that, that was in 2021 as well. So my first time teaching was last year in November. Um, and then I went out to St. Bartholomew in the Caribbean. I got to do the camp that I originally had wanted to do the first time. Uh, so I went out to that camp uh, in January, end of January, early February of this year. Uh, and then I didn't teach at that camp. That one I just did with my wife. Uh, my wife had uh, done her first camp out there. Lucky as hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, I did uh, Arizona camp as well as an instructor uh, just two weeks ago. So, yeah, I've done Iceland and St. Bart's out of the country and then four Arizonas. So what is that like being the transition from being a participant to being an instructor? Like what what is the the difference that, that you see? Like was it a big eye opener like being on the other side of the people? You know what I mean? Like teaching and then preparing a class and everything like that. Like what was that transition like? You know, I really thought there was going to be – a big transition like I was going to get some sort of like inside scope to something right but I was actually really really surprised that nothing really changed right um Christian Christian's approach like to instructors is that he never wants the camp to feel like you're going to go there and there's going to be all these campers who go out in town and do their own thing and then all the instructors just kind of go off and and are on their own little separate team right like he really, 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 I don't even want to say encourages us, but he kind of like forces us, right, to like integrate with everyone. And we and we enjoy it, right, from, from white belt to black belt, doesn't matter who, right, we integrate with everyone, spend time with everyone, sleep in the same accommodations as everyone, uh, go have dinners, party, like do, do everything with everyone. So now that I've, now that I've been to camps where like I've been an instructor like St. Bart's was a perfect example. Nothing really like felt different other than I didn't teach a class for one hour on two days. You know what I mean? Because I was still doing the same thing. I was still uh, integrating with everybody. I was still having a good time. I was still teaching. Like I was still grabbing people and saying like, Hey, let me help you with this, helping them off on the side with uh, things that they needed help with. So like, I, I think I think what it is, is it, it, it's more the eye openers that like, Hey, like this is like the globetrotters goal is like, we're all one, 
we're, we're, we're all part of the same family. Like we all need each other, right? Um, we all need to uh, use each other for help, right? And I, I can learn just as many things from a blue belt who might be one of those jujitsu nerds on YouTube, right? <laughs> uh, and I can, I can, he can show me something, and I can help him say, "Hey, let's re, you know, let's uh, refine this together." So, I think the only thing uh, it made me realize, though, like personally, that I had to realize is like, I've got to know what really works and like what I'm going to teach actually works because there will be people there that will, um, they'll, they'll come to you after, after camp and they'll just say like, Hey, like I, I tried to work on this, uh, during the open mat and I couldn't, I couldn't get any of it to work. Thankfully I haven't had that happen. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) right. But it is a really, really nice feeling when I'll go to a camp teach something, I'll go, I'll see them later down the road at another camp and they'll say, Hey Zach, remember when you showed a, uh, the class on this, this, and this man, that's changed my whole game everywhere I go. Now I do that one concept and it helps me a lot. Right. Um, I think it's kind of the, the, the difficult kind of thing is like you're teaching. I mean, there's like probably like 30, 40, 50 classes. Right. And you're teaching with like 20 other instructors. You kind of, you kind of have to know like what is essentially like your game and it can be kind of difficult if your game is somebody else's game right so you you, you don't want to put up like you don't want to put up a hundred leg lock classes right if everybody every because everybody might vote for them right and what if you're going to teach the same thing that someone else is going to teach so I think that was the hardest part, like just kind of, kind of looking internally and saying, okay, like what do I do? That is not necessarily things that I've made up or anything, but what do I do that that is something that maybe not unique to me, but that I know enough that I could just sit down right now and just ramble on or about it forever. So uh, that's been a lot of fun, and uh, I think that by doing that, it's also made me a lot better. Because uh, really, really, really focusing on on understanding the technique and having that responsibility of knowing that you're not just like bullshitting through a class to a hundred people, you know, um, it, it it's helped me refine my my skill a lot. So one thing that you mentioned in there is being in the class with as a participant, even though you are instructor, you weren't you weren't an instructor that camp. And you mentioned talking about how helping someone during that class. How how does that go? Because I know in some classes or in some schools and academies, like the person teaching is the person teaching, right? Like they there's mm-hmm. not necessarily animosity, but there's kind of like that mutual respect of like, hey, like I may know what you're doing wrong, but I'm not necessarily the instructor of the class. Right. If you want professor right. to come over and help, we'll grab professor. You, there's there's none of that in like uh, Globetrotters, even though you are an instructor, right? Like you guys all have that mutual respect for each other. Yeah, I think it, I think it just comes down to like the, it's like, I, I actually did that a lot this past camp. Like I would be the uke for like a friend of mine who would be teaching, right? And then I would get up and naturally they'd just say, hey, can you help me teach? Like, yeah, sure, no problem. Because it's a lot of people, right? There was, yeah, there was one. There was one those rooms was are like huge. 20 people <laughs> yeah, on the mat, right? So it's, it's really, really difficult to 
you want the campers to have the best possible experience, right? So it's really difficult to get to every single one of them. So, like, just naturally, I'd say, yeah, sure, no problem. He'd go to this side. I'd go to this side. We'd switch on the next on the next uh, technique. I'd go over here. He'd go over here, right? Um, it's just about having the respect to only show what what that instructor's scope is. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not showing anything outside of that. I'm just helping with exactly, uh, what that person is showing. Now we had an actual problem with this. Um, recently there was a, a camper who we, nobody knew who this guy was. Nobody met him before. No, nobody, uh, uh, has seen him teach or anything. Right. And he kind of, he was just a participant in every single class. He would just like, you know, he did, he did it to myself as well. Every class, he would ask a question, but he would ask it in like a very hostile manner. Like, like a, like a very like, you know, kind of implying they didn't think any of that would work. Right. Yeah. Like he's a know it all, he's like challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And all the instructors would be like, what is up with this guy, man? Like, this is, <laughs> this is just really strange. And I ended up telling him like, Hey man, here's the thing. Uh, cause, cause everything would be like, well, what if. What if he did this? What if he did this? And that's normal. Like, I'm perfectly, like, okay with that. But he wouldn't accept any of the answers I would give him. So I had to just tell him, like, hey, man, how about after class? Like, you just try whatever you want on me, and we'll just see if it works. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And he didn't like that, and he got up and he stormed out of the class, right? And, like, we were all just like, whatever, like, okay, right? So... What we started noticing, though, is that in other classes, some of the campers would come to me and be like, hey, I'm really upset. This guy is over here teaching a little class on something that has nothing to do with what the instructor is teaching, right? So, like, for example, someone was teaching a class on float passing, right? Um, And it was Jay Page. Like, he's a fourth-degree black belt. He is the host of the camp, right? We we pay him a lot of respect, right? And he's one of the nicest people ever. Um, I owe a lot to that person. And I see this guy over here grabbing campers saying, Hey, let me me show you some leg locks every time they they would break away. And it's like, what are you doing? So that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, finally, like, it ended up being my buddy Michael Courier, like, walked up and he's like, what are you doing? Like, this is not what we're showing. Nobody cares what you're trying to show, okay? So either get out of here or do exactly what the instructor is showing you. And then we didn't see him again after that. So so I think I think maybe he just kind of realized, like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, maybe this isn't the spot for me. But, yeah, the same thing was happening when I was in St. Bart's. If it was an open mat... You know, naturally, I just say, hey, wh- wh- what what are you struggling with? Or if I roll with someone and they say, hey, what kind of tips can you give me? I'd always say, oh, yeah, do this, do this, and then help them for five minutes on, on what could have been better. But if it's an actual class, usually, um, especially like in St. Bart's, like uh, being – there wasn't many black belts there that weren't instructors. So a lot of them were my friends that kind of just understood like they trusted that I'm, I'm, I'm only going to help and assist them with uh with whatever it is they're teaching and if i can't uh, i'll just say like hey this isn't my game this i don't i don't know this and i'll just ask my buddy hey can you come over here this person needs help a lot of it a lot of it can be that as well just just identifying that hey this person actually needs help and calling the instructor over to to help them 
Yeah, I, I wish we had um, several more black belts in our class. I, I got to visit a gym when I was in San Diego, and they had probably six or seven black belts in a class, which was unheard unheard really? of for me. But it was great because I didn't even know they were watching us roll. And, you know, I'd be in the middle of a roll. They'd come over and tap me and, and tell me what I could work on and what was better. I was like, right. man, this is right. nice. It, was, it, like, shorted up right away. I, I really like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I always feel kind of – because we only have one black belt in our school, and whenever mm-hmm. I roll with him, uh, you know, he obviously is like, you know, good roll or whatever. But I feel kind of awkward asking because we have such little time to roll after class. Like, I feel awkward asking, like, hey, what can I work on? You know what I mean? It's like because yeah. there's so many other people that want to roll with him. I feel like it's kind of like a disservice to everyone else asking a question like, hey, what do I need to work on? You know what I mean? Yeah, and if we yeah. had more more black belts or higher level belts, like we have one black, two brown, and a purple. Everyone else is blue and white. So we don't we don't have a very large school. So I'm like, oh, I kind of want to just ask him like, hey, what can I work on? But I don't want to take the time away from other students that could have a valuable experience with him as well. And I don't want to hear everything for the answer. That's yeah, what, yeah. We don't, everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, give me one tip, please. Come on, bro. Yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think in that situation, like, dude, you you gotta you gotta give a lot of credit to those brown belts, man. Even even the, even the purple belt as well, right? Like, somebody somebody higher than you, right? And, and maybe sometimes not even higher than you. Maybe they've just been training longer, or they're just more athletic, or whatever. They're always going to be able to give you uh, tips, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, if you ever. I don't. I don't know. Like, have you ever read on jujitsu? So it's a pretty. It's a pretty quick read. Like, I think I. I, I did the audio book and it's like two and a half hours, right? And I actually just listened to it about a month ago, and it's something that I was like, wow. Like, I wish I kind of. I wish I kind of heard this stuff when maybe I was like a blue belt, right? Um, but one one important aspect in there that he talks about is he says. If if someone is teaching me something, right, or they're doing better than me at something they just have a better understanding of that position or situation or 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 area of the game right and really that's what a game is is you're trying to push your opponent into that area right where you are most comfortable but you guys may have an area that you're far more comfortable than i'm in Right, and you could possibly show me stuff like if you put me in a really really bad position, and I'm like, oh my god, like I just I, I, perfect example. One of my teammates and students last night, he won his match at Fight to Win, and he was telling me that he really really wants to learn loop chokes. Right, and that's something I'm not going to say I'm a pro at, but it's something I'm working on, and I have a better understanding of that than him. Right now in his match, he got two takedowns with foot sweeps. Right, I have always sucked at those. So at the end of the match, <laughs> I said, "Hey, let's trade. I'll show you loop chokes, and you show me foot sweeps." And he's a purple belt, right? So it's not always it's not always that you need to ask the head instructor. That is very important, right? Because that head instructor is there to give like an overall vision of where they would like to see you go. But if you don't have the time or they don't have the time to, to spend, find your teammates, find uh, those people who maybe are just a little bit above you and just say like, 
what kind of things uh, would help me give you more of a problem? You know what I mean? Um, or, or, or what kind of things are you taking advantage of when you're rolling with me? Mm, those are good. I mean, when you, when, really you when you, fr- yeah, when you, when you phrase it like that, it's a lot easier than what should I work on? You know what I mean? Like, what should I work on is a great, it's a great question for your coach. Right. But I mean, you can ask each other when rolling with each other, like, Hey, what, what, what should I do to give you more of a problem? And it could be, oh man, like you're not framing up when I'm I'm passing the guard or something like that, you know. And I I think that so many people they look at their head instructor for like all the answers, which is perfectly normal. I mean, it's a hierarchy, right? But like, there's so much value and knowledge, like with your peers, like to your left and your right. You know, I think I think that that was like probably the biggest uh, motivating factor in me joining Impact Jiu Jitsu and Impact Fountain Hills, right? was because that's essentially our model of teaching. So on so every single day a different person is teaching. Now there's only three black belts there, right? It's not it's not a black belt teaching every day. We have three black belts, two brown belts, and two purple belts that teach, right? So whether it's the morning or the evening time, we're all kind of rotating through throughout the week. It's really nice because we really are teammates, right? Like Michael Courier is our head coach, right? Everything we're doing falls under his vision. But a lot of times what he's doing is he'll say, hey, for the next two weeks, this is what I want to work on. Uh, We're going to work on open guard. Cool. That's what we're doing currently right now for these two weeks. Everyone is just showing something from open guard. Could be like, like I, I could show something completely different than what my buddy can show. And then he says, hey, next week we're going to show something from open guard. But the first week it's more basic. The second week it's more advanced, right? So I can sit there in a purple belts class and I'm learning. And and they, and they always think that like at first when we first started doing that, they thought it was so weird. Like they'd be teaching and stuff and they'd be looking at me like, oh, oh God. Am I doing you, this right? You know? Is that is that okay? Do you think that's true? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, my buddy Gerald who just got his brown belt. He was a purple belt that started teaching there. I went to his class and he started showing um, some lapel guard stuff. And I came over and I'm in the class and I'm asking him questions. Hey, do I wrap my foot this way or or is it okay if I wrap my foot this way? And he goes, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I just, I, I didn't expect a black belt to be asking me questions. And I was like, dude, you know this. I don't know this. Man. <laughs> you know? So, so um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be in an environment that's like that and and you'd be surprised how many environments are like that if you just grab that brown belt and just said hey man what kind of stuff do you think um could, could help me out if i wanted to go against this type of body or this i i think also too if you have a hard time uh finding the time to do it think about the biggest thing that you're having problems with like the vague question what should i work on right is very, very, very open-ended. But if you think, like, what's the hardest thing you're having trouble with? M- me? Uh, I am 6'2", 220 pounds, right? Y- you'd, you'd laugh, but the hardest thing I have problems with is big guys, right? Wow. Because I'm always the biggest guy in the room. Ah. So I'm so, I'm so used to uh, training with smaller people and... Not, you know, 
especially like there's some really small cats at, at my gym. I mean, like Courier's like 135 pounds, right? So like, I can't just roll with him and try to like just break him, right? But I can go to him and say, hey, I'm having a hard time with bigger guys when they're on top. And he can say, cool, let me show you what I do to you. You know what I mean? So having a very, very specific question to ask is um, it'll it'll just increase or, or decrease the amount of time that you have. So so even if it's just, you know, hey, coach, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time passing people's half guard. Do you have any tips? I mean, I can answer that in two minutes. You know what I mean? Much more than, hey, what should I work on? I mean. You know, for if one of my students comes to me and says, "Hey, what should I work on?" There's probably like 30 things I would tell them. You know, <laughs> but jujitsu jujitsu should be. I I really think that it should be fragmented. You should be focusing on. You know, you should take 30 days and just focus on something. The next month, you take another 30 days and just focus on something. And yes, that does mean that you will you will fail in the other areas that you're not working on. But that's good for you too. I mean, you know, that, that shouldn't be looked at as a negativity. Um, so taking those, those, you know, small little increments and fragments and just saying, Hey, what should I work on? And and your coach says, Oh, just work on half guard. Well then just take 30 days and only go into half guard. And if you get past, all right, cool. You start over, you reset, you know, but I guarantee if that's all you're working on on day one and day 30, there's going to be a really big difference. But if you're trying to do everything every single day, you're you're very, very unlikely to get anywhere doing that. I think that's what yeah. takes jujitsu so like why it takes jujitsu so long to get belts is because really until you're like purple, brown, like really brown, like I started realizing like you're just trying to do everything at once. And because you're trying to do everything at once, you're not really getting anywhere very fast. If, 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 if like white belts and blue belts just like really focused on, okay, this is all I'm going to work on right now. Like this is how I kind of teach my wife, right? This is all I'm going to work on right now for three months. And then at the next three months, they say, hey, what do I work on next? They would just get astronomically better, astronomically faster, you know? Mm. I find uh, the struggle with that sometimes is uh, I've been trying to lean that way. I, I do some of the BJJ flow maps, you know, and I and I just want to focus mm-hmm. on one thing, and I want to spend all my free time doing that. But that does kind of conflict with class where they teach something, yeah, and they want to see course, that, yeah. and that's been the struggle I've had. Whereas I want to focus on something, I just you know don't have the opportunity in the gym to focus on that at that particular right. time, which so ends up being a little bit just, of a struggle. I would just say, yeah, that. You got to just focus it on it when it, when you're rolling, I yeah. guess. If you have the opportunity to go to an open mat, great. Uh, if you have mats at home and you can just say, like, grab a buddy, you know, and just say, hey, let, let's work on this together, great. But at the same time, too, yeah, you don't want to just disregard something that your coach is showing, you know. But, but also understand that it is perfectly okay to if someone is showing a class it is perfectly okay to drill all that stuff do it all and then just kind of like i don't want to say throw it away but understand that maybe that's not something that you're going to use you know i i've i've maybe done thousands and thousands of classes in my years of jujitsu right 
there's been plenty that I've done them and actively while I'm doing them, I'm like, okay, like I, I, I can understand this, you know, but not mine. I don't think this is going to be for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just not for me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's not for me, you know? Um, I think it's all good to learn because when you, you can still digest it and understand that if you see it, you understand right. what the person is trying to do. So I'm still drilling everything. I'm still drilling everything. I'm still getting an understanding of what's going on. But I'm I can't just sit there and actually I mean think about it. like if you if you tried to actually use every single thing that you would learn like your your brain would just collapse. <laughs> you know like uh it, it 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 it'd be ridiculous to try to do that. And I don't think that I don't think that any coach expects that either. I don't think that any coach expects that, hey, we're going to show, we're going to show this technique, right? Uh, and then the next day it's this, the next day it's this, the next day it's this. And then by the end, they expect you to just know everything and be doing everything. You know, I think what the coach's job is to show you a plethora of things so that each individual can try to find what, like, like start that roadmap of what they like. And, and where they're going to go with that. Yeah, that's one thing that they our professor recently started saying a lot is he's like, Tuesdays are very specific uh, techniques. Uh, we only have class twice mm-hmm. a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's like, Tuesdays are very specific techniques. Mm-hmm. We're going to drill very specific things. Uh, Thursday are going to be those things, but a little bit more advanced, and it's going to be kind of throwing, throwing more at you. And he's like, I don't expect you to learn every bit remember every piece he's like all i want you to do is have one thing each class that you remember he's like if you do that every single class your jujitsu game is going to just grow exponentially like you said just just one thing whether even if it's like not a specific technique it's just a position like you you got Mm -hmm. to a position Mm -hmm. and you did like something that he taught if whether you failed or not you know what i mean like like just that you actually did it and then you could be like oh crap like okay, now I know I can get there. Check mark. Now I can work on that uh, next yeah. time and get better at. Like to your point of just like working on that one thing over and over again, and knowing like okay, now I know this is in my game. And one thing that we talked about too uh, on one of our previous interviews, and once again, kind of to your point, is like everything's not going to be everyone's game. Like body right. dynamics, fitness level, age, mobility, all these things come into play, right? Like I am terrible at triangles because I have fat thick legs you know and like if i lock them in it's great they're tight but it's it's hard you know what i mean and then i i can only cut the angle so much in in a freaking triangle to lock it in you know like like i'm we have a guy in our class who has long lengthy legs and he plays a lot of lapel spider guard and you know he's he's a blue belt and i'm like dude i can't get past your freaking legs me, people, I try to play spider guard and my legs are so short, they just take a step back and push them to the side. I'm like, this just isn't my game. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's one thing that people, especially when you, you start off in the beginning, you think like, oh, man, professor showed this. This has to be part of my game. I have to do it. And it mm-hmm. takes, I would say, probably into like a like. A, I mean, I've honestly, when we, we became more of a seasoned blue belt is when I really started to realize like, look, man, this just is not my game, and I'm okay with that. And professor has to be okay with that. You know what I mean? But of I think course. there's that that level of understanding your own self and developing your game and realizing what works with you and what doesn't in order for you to have that self awareness of like this is this is just not mine. 
I'm just going to do it. If I get it, great. If I don't, no harm, no foul in my eyes. You know what I mean? I think that takes a little bit of time for people to develop that. That's why I've always kind of like, I've always, I don't know. I've always had kind of a disagreement with like, like set curriculums, right? Um, I think that that stuff's great for like beginners and, and kind of giving like a basic foundation of like, Hey, these are the basics, right? This is guard retention. This is passing the guard, like just basic stuff. This is some, some basic techniques to, to get from A to B and B to C, right? But I then see some schools and some big affiliations, they'll do like, no, no, no. This is what you're going to do from this belt to this belt. And this is what you're going to do from this belt to this belt. I've always kind of disagreed with that because like you're, you're just, you're just trying to keep that person in a box, right? For basics, it's great, right? But after those basics, right, that's when the person should start be like realizing like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to play. And don't get me wrong, there's some super high-level competitors that come from from those type of schools, right? But I always wonder, like, how much better could they have been if they were just allowed to just do exactly what they wanted to do, you know? Um, so the, the fact that I, I think what your coach does is very valuable, just saying, like, hey, if you can just remember one thing, one thing super important yeah if we can just remember one thing um like that's some sort of progress i do the same thing with my wife right after every class we'll be driving home because my my school is actually like 45 minutes from where we live right and i always ask her like what did you learn like like recite it to me right and trying to actively say okay uh i grab the leg, I put it down this way, I slide my knee through, right? It, it It's it's other reps that you're getting uh, mm-hmm. mentally. At, it's kind of like journaling afterwards, I, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I tell people to do that as well, you know, if there's something they really like, right? But I, but to your, to your coach's credit, the most important thing is not necessarily – the whole entire class. I always ask people if there's if they're gonna write down anything, they need to write down the one technique or move or position that made them go, mmm. You know what I mean? That makes them go like, oh, aha! That's the thing that I didn't realize, and that's actually what I do at Globe Trotters classes, right? Uh, I don't really participate in as many classes, right? Um, I, I like to go there strictly for the open mats. Like the open mats are the best experience because there's like 30 classes. Like I can't, I can't think of all that stuff. Right. But what I do do is I'll take one or two classes a day on the schedule and I'll say, I think this will fit in my, in my game. And I think this will fit in my game and I'll sit on the side and I'll watch, you know, and if it's something that like really, really needs to be drilled, like I'll do the drills, but if there's something where I can just kind of understand what the movement is, I kind of just wait until I get that moment and go, Oh shit, man. I wish I realized that years ago. And that's what I write down because when you're, when you're traveling and you're doing so much and you're, and you know, by the end of a camp, like it's so hard to remember what you did every single day. If I can just go back on the set, you know, the five days and say, 
oh man, on this day I learned this, on this day I learned this. And then what I do is I take those five things and that's like, you know, a few weeks on each one of what I'm going to try to be doing when I'm rolling, you know? So it's just kind of like, we do the same thing right now at my academy. We're all working on open guard stuff, but when I'm rolling, I'm working on those aha moments that I had at the camp. But when I'm teaching and we're drilling, we're working on that lesson plan for that two week block. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the we defy, because you mentioned that you are a big volunteer into it. Can you give everyone at home that don't know what we defy is a, a brief summary of what it is and how you got into working with them? Yeah. So the We Defy Foundation, um, it's been around for quite a while now, like seven, seven eight years now. Um, but what it is, is it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, our focus is on uh, providing relief for combat disabled veterans um, through jujitsu and fitness, right? Um, so what we do is we pretty much raise a lot of money to sponsor athletes and by athletes it's a combat disabled veteran with scholarships uh to kind of help with therapy for their ailments right whether it is a mental ailment whether it is a physical ailment um that is that is the goal right we uh are only looking for people who are white belts right so, you know, we're not we're not sponsoring someone who's been doing jiu-jitsu for eight years, you know what I mean? Um, we're trying to find people that have never really done jiu-jitsu or maybe just started so that they can understand how jiu-jitsu can kind of help them uh, with their issues, right? Uh, we have tons and tons and tons of facilities i mean shoot we're, we're getting close to 400 facilities all over all over uh, america and um right now we actually just got I, we raised a lot of money last year close to half a million dollars um between wow. a really 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 big va grant that we got and then the rest was all from um just open mats uh, selling selling our merchandise because all of our merchandise is donations that directly goes to those scholarship programs, um, different events that we did across the country. So right now we're kind of in this position where we are reversed. It used to be like we did, we had a lot of athletes but not enough money, and now we have a lot of money and not enough athletes, which is a great mm. place to be in. So we're just pushing out the word so much as much as we can to get people to apply on our website and, and apply for those scholarships. Um, I, I've seen like at first, let's see, I, I got into we defy back in 20, it was in 2020. Um, and my goal at first was I, I wanted to help, right? I wanted to do something cause in 2019, uh, I went to Quantico, Virginia for a, uh, a course in the Marine Corps for two weeks and I got to spend some time teaching some Marines on that base, right? And had a great time, right? And I was like, you know what? I think that I enjoy this the most, like teaching veterans, right? So 
what I wanted to do, like what my idea was, was I was going to go around Phoenix and, and kind of do some seminars, raise a bunch of money, and then try to take that money and ask the people of that gym if they could find anybody to use that money to sponsor them with, you know, their first three months of training or whatever it was. That was my plan. So I reached out to my buddy, Joey Zente, who is the founder of Veterans Jiu-Jitsu out in Texas. And I said, hey, man, this is what I'm kind of thinking about. Like, what do you think about this? And he was like, oh, dude, like, I'll do you one better. Like, there's an organization that's already kind of doing that. Um, are you familiar with Weedify? And I was like, yeah, I've, I've seen them, but I didn't really know exactly what they did. So he got me in contact with the right people. Um, I talked to TJ, the VP, and told him what my scope was. And it started off with, hey, why don't you just be an ambassador? So what what I was doing was um, I would do open mats. I would just go to different gyms and uh, start open mats and just say like, hey, so for Veterans Day... You know, everybody is welcome to come, but to get into the door, it's $20, right? Um, at first, you only raise a couple hundred bucks, but like, it's the most rewarding feeling, right? Like I'm used to, I'm used to Veterans Day where it's like, everybody's telling you, oh, thank you for your service and stuff. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, ah, I don't really care, you know, but to like give back and like see people there, it, it, it was a really good feeling. And I think my first one, I only raised like 350 bucks, right? So I was a little discouraged because I was like, ah, oh, man, that's not really a lot of money. I sent the donation in. And then when I saw that, like, everyone across the country in total had raised, like, $50,000, I was like, wow, okay, like, my $350, like, we contributed to that at some point, right? Um, then, you know, the next one I did a little more. The next one I did a little more. I think the last one we just did was on Veterans Day this last year. And we raised like close to $800, right? But then what really like kind of opened my eyes was uh, in September, we had a gala, uh, which is just like a big auction, right? And mm -hmm. we went out to uh, Dallas, Texas, where... Uh, the headquarters is right uh, at Shibaro Jiu Jitsu. We had a good open mat there rolling with everybody. And it was super cool to see, to like be there with people who like you see that the organization has helped over the years, right? It's one thing to raise money for these individuals. It's another to actively be there training with them, right? Um, and then at that gala, I mean, we raised, I, I think we raised close to 120, like it's, it's like $125,000, right? A bunch of companies donated things, right? And everybody would auction them off and then the money would get directly contributed to the foundation. That was the big eye opener for me to really be in a room and, and be with all the other ambassadors all over the country and be with the all the other volunteers, because the entire the entire organization is all voluntary, right? Um, there's like 400 people that we're all working on, and we're all volunteers. So seeing everybody else, like how much effort they put into this organization, is what made me say, "Man, I've got to do more. I've got to I've got to figure out a way to help out more in any way I can." So I had just told the VP when I got home, I said, "Hey." Um, I don't just want to be an ambassador that's just kind of like uh, spreading the word. I want to help in some way. And he was like, cool, like noted. 
And then a few weeks later, he called me and was just like, hey, how would you feel about being the training facility coordinator? We have one person that's doing it for the whole country. I think I want to divide it up from uh, East Coast to West Coast. So that's what I've been doing uh, since October of last year. And um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's it's also nice because one of the one of the reasons he had approached me about it was my goal is when an academy applies and says, "Hey, we want to be a partner with Weedify, and we want to host any disabled veteran in our academy." It is my job to to screen that academy, interview the instructor, interview the staff to see if they would be a good fit for anybody we would potentially send them, right? Um, I think the two biggest things that uh, they approached me for was one, being with the Globetrotters and traveling so much um, just for personal and pleasure, right? I know a lot of instructors. And almost always when I'm getting an academy that's applying, I know someone who knows that instructor, even if I don't personally know them. So I've had plenty times where I can say, oh, okay, I, I look on their Instagram or I look on their Facebook and I see that we have some mutual friends. And then I'll hit that person up and I'll say, hey, do you know this person? And I say, yeah. And I say, what can you tell me about their character? I don't really care about the jujitsu. What do you tell me? What can you tell me about their character? Um, you know, have you been to the gym? What is the culture of the gym like? You know, is it very, is it very, very competitive? Like, cause sometimes if a gym is too competitive, it's not going to be a fun environment for a beginner. Right. Right. Um, but if it's also too lackadaisical, that, that veteran who's looking for challenge, it might not be a good fit either. Right. So getting some of that inside scope helps a lot. And I think that me having a real, um, unbiased approach to jujitsu like me not caring about lineages me not caring about you know who who's to teaching what or what team you're a part of like you know i i don't care about any of that stuff i think uh was another reason that i was approached and it's funny there's been some there's been some schools that i've screened and they are not schools that i would go to only because <laughs> they're so they're so they're, they're so they're so like you have to only wear this gi or you have to only do this. And like, that is just not my idea. Right. But Hey, there are some people that maybe they like that stuff. And I, and I have to take that unbiased approach and just say, this is not for me. If they check all the other boxes, you know, and, and I can tell that the person's a good person, you know, and, and, and they really do want to help and they're sincere. Then any disagreements I have with them or their jujitsu, like I take that out of the out of the window. You know, I just, I just want to make sure that the athlete is taken care of. Yeah. I recently found we defy and, uh, John and I are both veterans. And so like talking to other veterans, our school is probably 90% active yeah. duty and, and veteran tell you the truth. Oh really? And, uh, yeah. Wow. So, cause we live in a Navy town. So, um, mm. we have, we have two, three bases in our, in our town alone. And uh, oh wow, Marine Corps and Navy, and and even I think the Army's the Army and Air Force is maybe an hour away. Uh, so helping veterans is something that recently I've really been like, man, we have like we don't have a massive platform, but it I think it's big enough to where like things like We Defy or there's other organizations out there where I'm like, man, I was like, maybe veterans could you know that don't know about these 
organizations like we we should probably just talk to people from them and hopefully help yeah. someone you know what i mean like having you on to talk about like we defy like there, i'm sure there's veterans out there that are going through something Absolutely. that don't even know that there's organizations like we defy that that are out there for them you know what i mean and uh yep. it, it's always good to talk to people like that because the veteran community like in the it, when you're in the service like you don't get really taken care of right like right. But when you're out of the service, it's even less unless you are actively looking for that. Like no one's going to drive me to my VA appointments, show up on my, my doorstep like, hey, by the way, you have a VA appointment today. You need to get in my car and we need to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I have to actively look for that. You know what I mean? And so it's nice to right. know that there's organizations out there that are that are helping people. They are proactive. You know, like it sounds like you send them like things like, hey, this might be a good fit for you. This might be a good fit for you. Here, go check Absolutely. these people out. That's that's awesome, man. And it's it's very, very professional. Yeah. So. Like when I first joined the organization, like I thought it was just going to be like, oh, this is just some organization, you know, that I see and we'll spread the word and stuff and try to filter them people. Like, no, it's like, I mean, it's as professional as my company that I work for. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a board of directors. Um, they do monthly meetings and stuff. And 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 I always tell people that want to be ambassadors, like, it's you're as involved as you want to be. The 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 one thing as an ambassador is you just have to help organize an event twice a year, which is pretty easy. You can do that on... Veterans Day, because We Defy puts out all the marketing for Veterans Day anyways. And you can do it on Memorial Day, right? Some people, that's all they choose to do, and that's fine. But you can be an ambassador like myself and be more involved and try to find a role, right? Um, we have regional ambassadors who help uh, the individuals like myself with anything they can get, they can have or materials they can have to, to fund these events, right? Um, we have athlete engagement coordinators, which really, that is something that like, I would really love to do, but I, I just don't have the time in my schedule to do it. But when we get a veteran who is going through these programs, right, they get paired up with an athlete engagement coordinator who that's like their mentor, right? Um, you know, it may be long distance, but it's someone who's going to check in with them on a weekly basis, monthly basis, and just kind of say, Hey man, how's it going? How's your jujitsu going? How's life? How, how, uh, is the jujitsu helping your life and getting, getting that, you know, that personal feeling of like, Hey, this, not only is this organization just paying for me to train. I mean, they're really contacting me, seeing how I'm doing. I think that's what's made us so successful. And, and, uh, We've had many times where that that athlete is not engaging with the coordinator, and they they'll reach out to the coach and just say, "Hey, what's going on?" Like I haven't heard from them, and they'll be like, "I don't know, man. I haven't seen them for like two months," and then realizing like, "Okay, now we have a problem," and giving and giving that 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 veteran uh, different avenues right to help them with whatever they're struggling with, you know. So those were kind of some of the things that. I didn't realize the organization was doing until I started being more and more and more involved. Um, and, and for, for you guys, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many that, that can help nowadays. Um, but you guys should also look into like the Ronin foundation, which they do the same thing, but rather than looking for people who are disabled, right. And, and out of the military, they specifically look for people who are currently in the military and active duty that they can fund to uh, do jujitsu. Oh, that's cool. I was curious. Does um, 
Does Weedify help with other aspects, like maybe um, like their separation part? Like me and my wife were just in a small town in Nevada, and on their Veterans Day, they do like a free back breakfast for all those people. And uh, what we found out was there was a lot of veterans that never did their separation ever. So mm-hmm. some of these people were like 65, 70 years old, uh, somewhere in Vietnam. They'd never done their separation, so they never got like this VA disability payments or anything really? like that. So, so my wife helped them all and did all their paperwork. And I'm not kidding; they were getting like back pay checks of like twenty thousand, twenty five thousand. Oh, really? Setting them up wow. with their VA health care. They had never done any of this. You know, they didn't know about it. They didn't know how to do it. And I was like, man, that was really interesting. I saw a big need for that, but you know, I don't know where they really get that. So specifically, no. But there's plenty of people who could help. You know what I mean? Um, there's so yeah. many people who are still in the military, out of the military, like um, a lot of old school retirees, right? That there is someone, if I, if I said, hey, I've got this veteran and he's got this problem, who can help? There's going to be someone who can help and, and, and point them in the right direction, especially now that we work so closely um, with the VA and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? um, there was one more thing that I just realized when you said, do they help with anything else? The only other thing that we help with um, as well, in addition to combat disabled veterans, is um, uh, domestic abuse victims. Mm. Yeah, that's actually something we started doing uh, recently. So that's that's another uh, approach that we're taking. Um, you know, or or uh, people who have been victims of like sexual assault and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. That that's good that you guys are venturing out yeah it sounds like a great a great company and now you guys even got geese shirts like there's multiple ways to support it's not just going Mm -hmm. to an event or donating right like all the money that you guys raise for your apparel and all your merch and stuff like that goes towards it too right absolutely and it's all tax deductible it's all it's all considered donation oh well that's good to know too if you guys are out there like yeah, because I saw the the geese. The geese look real nice too. Don't you guys have mm-hmm. uh, like Air Force, Army, Navy, yeah. and Marine Corps geese, right? Yeah, we just we just put out. Um, there are air, land, and sea geese and 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 merch, right? And um, they're not necessarily specific for a branch, right? Just the just that theater, right? So uh, like the. The uh, air one is like this this really really cool like grayish, um, um, uh, like we had an artist come in and do the design of the graphic and stuff. Uh, the land one is dude. The land one is like my favorite. It's like it's like brown. Like I bought I bought this brown gi right, and it's like super cool. I feel like a Jedi when I wear it. I walk around. <laughs> Like I'm Mace Windu, you know, <laughs> you know, um, we have this, uh, really nice olive drab one as well. So, um, yeah. And all that stuff, like it, it, it can all be found on our website. We defy foundation.org. Um, and like I said, everything is tax deductible, but what I like about them is like, they put out really, really like high quality stuff, right? It's not just like something that's being like shipped over with just, you know, our logo stamped on it. I mean, I work out in all of our shirts, you know, and they hold up. They fit really well. They're really comfortable. Um, they're not just some Hanes t-shirt that that has a logo on it. Um, you know, all the all the geese and stuff I wear, I've had I've had no issues with them. I actually travel with one of them. We have a travel gi that uh, the top is made out of ripstop. So 
when I travel, I try to uh, do everything carry-on. So it's really hard when I have this big like 450 GSM gi and like it takes up this much space in my yeah. backpack where that travel gi, I mean, it's it's like this thin, you know. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and Yeah, and I can, I can go rounds and rounds and rounds and, you know, have no issue. Now, sure, if I'm using it every single day for two years straight, yeah, it's, it's not going to hold up as much, but... For when I'm traveling, it's it's perfect. You know, my my wife got one as well. She's had no issues with it, and 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 and, and everything's relatively cheap too. I mean, a geese are that gee was a hundred dollars. You know, we're not going to charge hundred fifty, hundred seventy five. You know, it's it's all anything we can do to just raise funds for the organization. That's super cool, man. Well, Zach, this is I know you're on a time restraint today. Unfortunately, I think we could go for a much much longer time. Uh, but if you had one piece of advice for a brand new white belt starting jujitsu, what would it be? I would say if there's anything I wish I knew that I know now that I knew back then, it's try to make jujitsu as easy as possible by thinking about as absolutely little as possible when you're rolling. And the way you do that is by focusing on not necessarily the technique that is being taught, but the overall concept that is happening, right? Um, when I'm passing the guard, there's really just one concept that I'm thinking about. It's really just three rules, and I'm only thinking about that every single, every single time I'm passing the guard. I could show someone a thousand ways to pass the guard, and they'll forget 900 of them. You know what I mean? But if you if you show someone, hey, when you pass in the guard, just these three rules. This is all this is all you're going to do. This is all you're going to focus on. Well, they can come up with 900 ways to pass the guard on their own, right? Mm. And that's one thing that I've been doing with my wife. She's been doing jiu-jitsu for like 7-8 months now. And when I when I teach her, I try to just teach her from that approach like what is something that I wish I knew back then? And I just try to make it as little as possible. The number one benefit you're going to get from simplifying everything is you'll know exactly why you failed at something. I think that's another reason why jujitsu takes so long to, to level up in is because you'll get done with the role and you'll go, man, I got swept shit i don't even know why i got swept and you'll ask your buddy like hey do you know why you swept me i don't know it just happened but if you said like oh well i didn't do rule number one or i didn't do rule number two then you know exactly what happened and you can learn immediately from it which will only help you when you're progressing right um you know if if uh if there's any yeah if there's any advice it'd, it'd be that and then if I could give one more that's just off, like off the technique side of it, mm-hmm. it's just, I know we hear this all the time, but just get comfortable being uncomfortable. It doesn't go away, really. It, I still get scared when, I, when, I'm, when I'm not even at the gym or in a, like in a competition. I, I'm not a competitor. I still get scared when I'm rolling against my own students that I know, right? They're going to laugh when they hear this. <laughs> and I don't care if they're a white belt, blue belt, purple belt. It doesn't matter. I still get really uncomfortable. You're fighting another person. The only difference is, is I'm far more okay with that feeling than that person is at that lower level. So don't think that by doing jujitsu more and more, like you're going to get good because you'll never be scared. No, no, no. That, that's not how it works. 
you'll just learn how to be more comfortable. And then that's where that tunnel vision starts to open up and you start to see so many more options. That's truly the difference between a white belt and a black belt to me is they just see more because they're far more comfortable in those uncomfortable positions. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show today. John, you got any anything else? No, thanks a lot, man. And there's a, a wealth of knowledge that I yeah. think a lot of people are going to get out of this one. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I'm literally, the when you were given the, the example of stop asking what should I work on, I was like, this is a great YouTube video because there's so many people out there that are looking for quick tips on like how to improve their jujitsu game. And it's like, they're right, just asking. Right. It sounds like a lot of people just ask the wrong question. So greatly right. appreciate that. Um, Thank you guys so much for watching at home, listening at home. Remember, uh, oh, Zach, where can people find you if they want to check you out? So best way to uh, get in contact with me is um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name is ZTK at or ZTK underscore BJJ. Pretty easy. If you type in ZTK, it'll probably just pop up, right? But that's uh, ZTK underscore BJJ. I'm also on Facebook strictly for messaging, right? I don't, I don't really like post much i only post like things that i travel but i don't like interact with people on there but uh you can find me at zach miller z-a-k-k miller um and then uh uh for any information on we defy foundation you can look us up at we defy foundation.org or you can always reach out to me if you want to get involved Uh, i can always point you in the right direction whether you want to be an ambassador whether you are an academy owner or at an academy that maybe wants to help um, you know, shoot me a follow, send me a message and I'll help in any way I can. Awesome. Well, there you guys go. Make sure you guys go follow Zach. This was an incredible conversation. I, I'm super happy. I wish we had more time, but maybe we'll have you back on again so we can continue on this. Absolutely. Cause I feel like it was thank- just, it was just flowing, bro. <laughs> so thank you guys for watching yeah, no at home. Problem. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, five star review on Spotify and on Apple. Uh, and then, yeah, all that stuff. So thanks, guys. You guys have a good time, and we'll we'll catch you later. Peace. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>